Well, happy Easter, happy Easter. So glad that you have joined us today. We're honored that you joined us on Resurrection Sunday. And uh, I'm excited about today. You are the fourth of, uh, of all of our Easter services and the best. Look, I mean, look at y'all. Y'all look amazing out here. Come on, give yourself a big hand this morning. Now, I know some of you were in the previous service. You're wondering, did he say that? Yes, I did. I did tell all. I'm just full transparency. I told all services, you look amazing. Well, as I've been thinking about this weekend, I've been thinking about this moment. I've been thinking about you, praying for you and praying for this moment. I'm thinking about something I think we all experience in life. And, you know, life can be complicated. There's lots of complexities to it. There's challenges we experience, burdens that we experience. Uh, Just take outside of the things of everyday life and normal life that we experience. Then then you have things that you've experienced uh, in a more significant way over the last few years. Just it's harder to get things, supply chain challenges, you name it, whatever. There's, There's complexities to it. And what I want to share with you today is as we look at God's word, I'm going to share with you that all the years of being a part of Easter services or preaching at an Easter service that honestly I've never shared before and I don't think I've ever heard anyone share from the context of how what Jesus did on the cross for us and what he did when he rose again and the freedom that we have in him, I don't think I've ever shared from the context and the, the, the perspective that I am today. You know, what I love about Jesus is what Jesus gives us, Easter, it, it, it can feel like it's, it's a holiday, it's a moment, and maybe you celebrate, and, and perhaps this is your first time with us, or maybe this is new to you. you, you're here because someone invited you into this environment, so you just came along. Whatever it may be, it, it, what we recognize that Jesus gives, what Jesus gives is simple. Now, it's costly, but it's freely given. And when we receive what Jesus gives us and what he did on the cross and what today represents, it all of a sudden, it makes life lighter. You see, life with Jesus is lighter. Now, now, that doesn't mean you don't have challenges. That doesn't mean that you won't have difficulties in life. But when you experience Jesus in a way, then you experience what it's like to live lighter and more free in ways that otherwise you wouldn't. You know, we, we complicate stuff sometimes. I don't know about you. Have you ever done that before? Uh, have you ever complicated your own life? I mean, I can complicate my own life, you know. Some of you, you're, you're nudging your spouse next to you, you know. You're, you're kind of rubbing your kids' shoulders, you know, and they're messing with their hair, you know. We complicate things sometimes. And sometimes we complicate things for others that we love. We don't mean to, but sometimes it happens. Like, for example, photography. You ever try to get the family photos? Like, we try to make it easy for you. You come in, maybe you saw some, got a little background, throw little ferns there, here's some signs. Take a picture. We'll have someone out there, we'll take a picture for you. We try to make it easy, right? I'm going to date myself here, okay? I'm, I'm 44 years old, and so I remember, I think back to when we did family photos. We went to a place called Olin Mills. And what they had was they basically had a box, right? And you showed up, and whatever the color palette was of what your family was wearing, they just kind of took carpet and put it over the top of that box, okay? They changed the backgrounds. That was it. Now, it's complicated. It ain't like that anymore. 
Okay, you better find some field out in the middle of North Texas somewhere. You better get your mud boots on. You're going to haul a couch, a goat, a miniature pony, a wagon with all sorts of different props out into the middle of a perfectly good field in the middle of nowhere. And if you have a friend with a vintage truck, get them to bring that too because you're going to sit in the bed of the truck and take a picture. It's complicated. Men, don't get dressed before the photo shoot. You're going to get your workout, and you're going to get sweaty hauling all that stuff out there unless you hire a moving company to get all that stuff out there for you. It's complicated. I'm like, can we go back only mill? I mean, the craziest we got back in my day, glamour shots. It's like little haze fuzz around you. You're wearing like a, you know, what is it, boa or whatever around your neck. You know, I went and sat down at the previous service. Wendy pulls out her phone. She shows me. It's a glamour shot of her and her sisters, you know. I'm like, oh, this is powerful, baby. That's why I married you. You're just fine, girl. Fine, that glamour shot. You're just fine. It just just snowballs, right? Or even think of Easter. Holidays in general, but let's talk about Easter. When I was growing up, you got a little Easter basket. That was it. And, And whatever candy it came in in the cellophane, when you got it from the store for $5.99, that's what was in there. That's what you got. You had a couple of eggs, the candy was in, that was it. Now, we'd go down. My, my parents are from Laredo on the border, so we go down, and some of our extended family had a ranch down there, and so we'd go down there, and we'd do an Easter egg hunt. They'd throw out all the eggs. Now, if you've ever been to South Texas, not a lot of grass. So there's times you pick, is that an egg? No, that's not an egg. That's a rock. Okay, so you're just kind of playing around. And when you found an egg, you opened it up. Now they've got, I mean, we had an Easter egg hunt in our neighborhood yesterday. They were full on getting toys, stickers. They had, like, stamps. I mean, it was like, what is happening? It's like gift cards. You know, we got jelly beans. That's what was in there because they didn't melt. You got jelly beans in the egg. And then you're looking for the coveted golden egg. Now, you know what the golden egg was? It's basically just a bigger egg they painted gold. And that was it. Okay? But you found that thing. You opened it up. Jackpot. $5 bill. Pooh! I mean, come on. Now, that's not it. That's not it. And then, and, and even back then, Easter outfit. Mom, she throw me in. I was oldest of three boys. Seersucker overall shorts, right? Have my stride rights on. Some of you know stride rights, you know. But I, I'm a boy. I climb up and treat. You ever seen a tree and a seersucker uh, onesie just come together? I mean, just, just ripped, torn, all over the place. Now, not, not, not anymore. You want to know what we got now? Now, it's complicated. You got full-size Easter baskets. I mean, these kids are getting Nerf guns. There's all sorts of stuff in there. You've got Godiva chocolate in there. That melts, okay? Like, you, all, the kids are getting cars. You got Easter outfit. You got more than one Easter outfit. I've got three little girls. So you got multiple outfits, and all those outfits have accessories and all sorts of stuff. And golden egg? There's no golden egg. You go out, you find a golden egg. Kids are opening it up. They're taking it out. They've got cryptocurrency in golden eggs now y'all have got next level i mean your kids are getting bitcoin for easter now i mean where was the five dollar bit you give them a five dollar bill they're like this won't get me anything on bitcoin dad i mean i need more than five dollars you know i need to be able to trade this you know i'm like what are you talking about trading in my day was baseball cards now they're trading cryptocurrency It's just complicated, and you think, Pastor Chris, come on, really? What does this have to do with Easter? Does it have anything to do with Easter? Absolutely. You see, because in life, things are complicated, and they're overwhelming, and we experience the weight of burdens and challenges, but what Jesus does, Jesus comes 
And he's the burden lifter. You see, Easter isn't about more burdens being put on you. Easter is about what Jesus did on the cross and how he lifts the burdens of our life. And so we're going to look at the Easter story and we're going to look in Matthew chapter 11. But before we get there, we're going to hear from Pastor Jeff, our lead pastor. He's going to share with us the, the Easter story and how what Jesus shares with us in Matthew 11, how it applies to our life, how it impacts us and how what we're celebrating today, the resurrection power of Jesus how that plays out in our everyday life. I'm going to come back after that video. I'm going to share some more and just kind of unpack a little bit more of Matthew 11 and then help give you some practical things and how that can play out in our everyday life. So let's watch this together. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to talk to you about the story of Easter. And what I'm really excited about as well is talking about how it really impacts our personal lives and your personal life. But first of all, we need to ask the question, what happened on Easter and the days leading up to Easter? You know, the whole Bible is leading to this moment. It's the desire of God. It's the theme of Scripture. And it's all centered around the life of Jesus. And we see in the Gospels his story. But really, this final moment, this reason we celebrate on this beautiful Easter time is really the story starts to intensify when Jesus was betrayed by Judas. Judas was one of his disciples, one of his close friends. It's why the story makes you say, why would his friend actually sell him out? Maybe you've experienced betrayal. Jesus has experienced everything we've ever experienced. And yet also we, we continue to see how Jesus begins to experience and take on things that you find yourself saying, why is that happening to him? He was arrested even though he was innocent. He, he was accused and beaten by the high priest, by, by the people who were supposed to represent God to people. They were the ones doing the beating of Jesus. And then a crowd of people, they cry out, crucify him. You know, the same crowd of people who just a week earlier were worshiping and saying he's the one who saves. There's a criminal and there's Jesus. And the true criminal who had committed the true crimes, they let him go. And Jesus then is the one that they cry out to be crucified. The Roman soldiers, they mocked him. They beat him. They cast lots for his clothes. And he spent six hours in the most agonizing way to die that anyone could ever experience. He spent six hours on a cross, crucified, out in the public to be seen by all. And the Bible says, in fact, that in that final moment, as he takes our sin, he takes the weight of all humanity's failures and sin upon himself. The Bible says that the sky grows dark, an earthquake is there, but most of all, I always am drawn to that moment where he says, to God his Father, he says, why have you forsaken me? And he breathes his last as he proclaimed it would be finished in that moment. And yet, the story turns to hope. The reason we celebrate Easter is all other religious figures cannot claim this. They are dead. These women went to anoint his body to to prepare him for burial, so to speak, put 
some spices there. And the angel said to the women when they got to the tomb, there's a sealed stone. It's been rolled away. And they, the, the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. So you may have heard that story before. You may have heard parts of it. You may have never heard it at all. But the real question that we need to ask ourselves this Easter is, what does that mean for your life? What does that mean for my life? Well, it's a long explanation of a lot of different things, but if I were to make it really simple, I thought of just a few things. First of all, that without Jesus, you're lost, you're, you're wandering, you, you need rescued. The Bible says he's our savior, so because he died on the cross, rose from the dead, he comes to save us from our sin, from our mess, from our life, from what we naturally end up at. He also comes and helps us with our guilt because we are all guilty. I tell people, why do you feel guilty? Because you are guilty and we carry a bag full of guilt. And then Jesus comes to say, I took all your guilt, all your shame upon me, so now you can be forgiven. He, he paid a price that we couldn't pay. Here, here's a great hope, okay? We're all dead. Death has power over us. We're dead in sin, meaning there's death around our life in our everyday life. And then for eternity, we're separated from God, away from him. That, that's the, the, the amazing thing about what Jesus did by overcoming death in the grave. We now can move from death here on earth to also life here on earth, abundant life. We move from eternity in a place of death to, to eternity, which we'll all live forever, eternity where we experience life. Th those are some basic things that we see. The Bible calls this story of Easter the gospel, meaning it's good news. We didn't do anything to earn it. We didn't do anything to deserve it, but Jesus gives it to us as a gift. But I thought we might focus on something that I found in 27 years doing Easter services. Here's what I found when someone receives this person, Jesus, not an ideology. He's alive today because he rose from the dead, when they receive him, here's what I've seen happen over and over and over. And that is, they say, when I receive Christ, they, they begin to understand these other elements. It's this, a simple reality. I feel lighter. I, I feel free. I, I feel like a burden has been lifted off when I receive his gift. When I stop thinking I have to earn it or prove it, I feel lighter. And I was just praying for you and thinking about Easter and thinking about how many times I've heard that and how much I want that for you. And the reason I can pray that for you, desire that for you, is because Jesus actually said that. These are his own words. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I began to think about burdens and weights and how you may have come to Easter wanting to celebrate, wanting to please your family, wanting your kids to have a good time, wanting your friends to, to connect somehow or to just have a good holiday, but you're burdened. I began to think about how life is, especially how we do it. You know, we there's just, there's just burden to life. I've got a job. I've got kids. I've got responsibilities. I have bills and 
But then what happens is I then add some other burdens, you know. I, I start having stress in my work or I start having maybe some depression that I haven't dealt with or I, I have things I didn't expect. But, but what I learn is, is that, that, that without Jesus, we can still kind of balance it sometimes. We're pretty good at this, actually. We kind of take pride in, I'm balancing my schedule. I'm handling my problems. I'm putting on a good face. And, and we learn how to carry burdens by ourselves. But what I've seen as a pastor, I've seen in my own life is, it's not the things that you've learned how to carry that really cause things to crumble. It's that which you don't expect. When you get a sick parent or a challenge with a child that you didn't expect, or you start having greater burdens at work or maybe lose your job or you start really dealing with a health issue, what happens is then it, it, just, it just starts kind of compounding and now everything's out of whack. And before you know it, it's, it's all just sort of in a mess. And our, our souls are tied up in knots. We're having trouble sleeping. We're having to figure out how to find ways to medicate the burdens we carry. Those end up in more problems. We hurt the ones that we love. And, and I just believe that for the rest of our time here this Easter, I'd like to talk to you about this, this verse. I want to read the whole thing to you. Come to me, he says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. And I want us to really zone in on this. And you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. What a powerful promise. Let's talk about that and how it's available to us. So as we look at this, and we're going to go back and look at Matthew 11 here in just a minute. But I want us to think about that aspect, that principle of what Jesus gives. Again, life with Jesus is lighter. It, it, it's different. He, he does something different. And, and Pastor Jeff alluded to that. It, and maybe you remember that moment when you maybe gave your life to Christ and you felt what he was talking about. It's like I felt like a thousand pounds were lifted off my back. I felt like I was carrying such a weight, but I've been set free from that. But even after you give your life to Christ, there's times and moments in life and seasons where can I tell you, you could still feel that weight and that pressure. I remember a precious lady in our church. She was sharing not long after some special services we have to bring in the new year called Prepare. And she'd been serving the Lord, actively serving, loves Jesus, her family's involved, and she's sharing. And she said, I realized I had so much anger about what I was experiencing in life. And I just felt like I was carrying so much weight. She said, but I realized I needed to give that anger to Jesus. And when I did, it was like the weight was lifted off my shoulders. What was that? It's a burden she's carrying. Maybe you have a burden in your marriage with your family, maybe with your children. It could be like Pastor Jeff was referring to. It, it, it may be uh, uh, something that's unexpected, an illness. Whatever it may be, there's burdens. You're carrying burdens. I'm carrying burdens. Maybe it's an addiction. I can remember spending time with an individual when we lived in Lafayette, Louisiana. He was top five in the nation in his particular area of medicine. Phenomenally gifted, brilliant. 
And he felt the pressure of trying to keep up and, and stay at the top of his game. And, and what transpired was he was doing everything he could to try and find rest for his soul. And he found that addictions were creeping in. And there was a span of time in a season where we met together every morning at 6 in the morning. And we actually read Matthew 11. And we'd pray this scripture together. So I want to look back at Matthew 11. I want to unpack it here over the next few minutes real quick and then give you some practical things on how does this apply to my life? How does what Jesus did today, the resurrection power of Easter Sunday, how does it play out in my everyday life? Let's look. Matthew 11, verse 28, we'll go back to it. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I love that Jesus is so personal. He knows us. He loves us. He's saying, look, come to me. Come to me. I have rest for you. I love that he understands and recognizes and knows exactly where we're at, what we're walking through, what we're experiencing. He's aware of it all. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is rest for our souls? What is our soul? Well, our soul is the innermost part of who we are. Your body will fail you. You, You'll breathe your last breath at some point, but your soul will live on forever. That rest that you're looking for, can I tell you, it's not found in a vacation. It's not found in getting to the lake home, the house in the mountains, or the house at the beach. All those things are well and good, and it's fine, and they're enjoyable. But that rest you're looking for is internal. Rest is a soul issue, not an external issue. We, we understand the external because we have the pressures of life and the demands and the schedule. But the rest that we really need, it's found inside. We fail to recognize that the rest I need is only found in Jesus. He then says what? He says, I want you to recognize, uh, put this yoke, my yoke that I want to put on you, and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some of you are familiar. This was uh, an agrarian culture, and so a yoke was used where you would put two oxen together or two cows together, and they would plow a field or they would pull a cart or a wagon. Well, what happens is this. Jesus is saying, look, I want to partner with you. Let's do this together. You put one ox In a yoke by itself, it's inevitable at a certain point, all it's going to do is begin to go in circles. And that's where some of us are at. You feel like you're going in circles in your burdens and the challenges and the weights that you're carrying. But Jesus is saying, you don't have to. Let me partner with you. I want to be right here with you. And I I want to help you in these burdens that you're experiencing in life. I want to read for you out of, it's another translation. It's called the message translation. And I love how it captures the words of Jesus here. And so we're going to look at this scripture again. But I want to read it to you because I love the picture that it paints for us as we look at this. And I think we'll even continue to relate to this in an even greater way. It says, are you tired and worn out? Anybody already starting to relate? Yeah, I'm tired and worn out. Are you burnt out on religion? 
If you don't have Jesus, but you have a lot of religious activity, we live in the buckle of the Bible belt. There's a lot of religious activity around here. You can be in and around church. You can be around. And if you just have a lot of religious activity, I'm going to go. I'm going to check the box. I'm going to attend. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But you don't have a life-giving relationship with Jesus, and you're not experiencing the rest and the peace that only he can give, you're going to be burnt out. You're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be tired. But look at the promise that he has for us. He says, come to me. If you're tired, burnt out, you're overwhelmed, you're frustrated, you're worn out, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll, here it is, learn to live freely and lightly. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for my own life. I mean, you're hearing that and you go, yeah, yes, more of that, please. Less of the burnt out, less of the tired, less of the worn out, more of the free and light. That's what I want. Well, we only experience that through Jesus. We only experience that through a life-giving relationship with him. I mean, look at the promises just in that scripture. You'll experience real rest. I'll restore your life to you. So how do we do that? What does Jesus do? How does Jesus give us rest for our souls? Well, here's the first way that Jesus offers us rest for our souls. He exchanges our guilt for his forgiveness. Nothing takes the weight off like forgiveness. Pastor Jeff said it. He said, why do you feel guilty? Because you are guilty. There's no amount of good work There's no amount of generosity, religious activity. Nothing can offset the guilt that you experience. It's only when you come into a life-giving relationship with Jesus. He says, I'll take your sin, your guilt, and your shame, and I'm going to extend forgiveness to you. I'm going to transform your life from the inside out. I'm going to allow you to experience what life, free, and light really is like. You see, it's, it's kind of like this. This is how I picture it. I don't know about you, but have you ever had, uh, have you ever gotten something on like your favorite shirt, favorite article of clothing, whatever it may be? Anybody have your favorite, favorite shirt, right? You, you ever get a stain on it? Some of you, you're going to eat Easter meal after this already. You have the game plan. Parents, you're in here. You got the t-shirt your child is going to wear and put on over their Easter best because you're like, that kid's messy. They're going to get it all over that and ruin that clothes, okay? You're like, I'm ready, all right? Maybe some of you spouses, you're like, it's not my child. It's my spouse. You know, you got a t-shirt ready. You know, Don't mess up your Easter best, right? Uh, the worst is this. I've done this before. The worst, it's one thing when you get food. You ever gotten oil? On your shirt, it's like, I'm like, I'll get oil on my stuff and be like, babe, get this out. She's like, sorry, it's done. We need a moment of silence. It's going to end up as a, throw it away, use it as a rag in the garage, whatever you want. There's no, there's a stain and it's ruined. That's a little bit how we are. We all have stains and you could feel ruined, but Jesus is the only one that can remove that stain. In fact, Paul's writing and he's writing to the church in Corinth. And as he's writing in 1 Corinthians, he's, he's actually, as he's setting this up, he's essentially telling the church in Corinth, you got a lot of stains. There's a lot of stuff you have in your life. You have experienced those things, the guilt and the shame of the life that you lived prior to knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But he gives a promise here, and I think it's such a great picture 
of what happens and how it captures what Jesus does. 1 Corinthians 6, 11. It says, and that is what some of you are in ref- or were in reference to these stains in our life. He says this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. You're washed. Jesus' promises, he removes the stain, but how does he do that? Well, in his second letter, Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, he says this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, he said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He says, look, I'm going to... Jesus, who had no stain, he took on our stains that we can't obtain, earn, or gain any of the righteousness that we only find in Jesus. He did it for us. I'm so grateful that when Jesus breathed his last breath, he didn't, he said, it is finished. He didn't say, now go earn it. Because you can't earn it. You can't work to accomplish it. It is the free gift of Jesus and what he did on the cross that transforms our life. And so we experience that freedom in him. So we find rest for our souls because we have relief from trying to offset this guilt that we feel in our life. And we exchange our guilt for his forgiveness. But here's the second way. The second way is this. The second way we receive rest for our souls is he gives us meaning and purpose in life. You see, when you don't know your God-given purpose, you will exhaust yourself trying to discover what it is. It, It could be in your workplace. It could be in your profession. It could be like the individual that I referenced earlier who is at the top of his game, top five in the medical field that he's in, in the nation doing everything he can to try and stay there. It could be all of these things, but can I tell you, it's only found in Jesus where you find a God-given purpose. Because when you don't know your purpose in Jesus, you can feel like, well, there's only three options then. There's only three options for me when it comes to this. First is this. You know what? I guess option one is simply try and experience as much pleasure as possible. That, That would be the hedonist. My my sole purpose in life, pleasure, 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 pleasure. Or you could feel that the other option could be, okay, I'm going to try and accumulate as much as possible. That's the materialist. Let me just get stuff. All this stuff is going to satisfy me. I'm going to feel purpose. I'm going to feel worth. I'm going to feel value. Or it could be, you know what, everyone Their role in life is centered around my benefit. Everything revolves around me. Well, what is that? That's the narcissist. But can can I share with you today that this isn't, this may be what culture says is the purpose of life. This is what we try to move towards and this is what we try to, to obtain. But there's a biblical solution to this. And Paul shares it in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 through 10. And here's what he says in Ephesians 2. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. 
You see, you weren't just saved from something. You were saved for a divine, God-given kingdom purpose. There is something significant that God has for you. There is a kingdom purpose that he's given you, and you're wired with it and designed for it. And can I tell you, it transcends more than your corporate responsibilities. It transcends more than your title or position or your acquisitions. God has given you a kingdom Purpose. And when you discover what that is, and only Jesus can give that to you, you'll experience rest in your soul. You'll experience rest because if not, then you will tirelessly do everything you can to try and obtain it. There's rest for your soul. So Jesus gives us rest by exchanging our guilt for his forgiveness. And we don't have to try and work tirelessly to offset that. Jesus gives us rest because we can discover our purpose in him and and then lastly he gives us rest by giving us God-given relationships that help lift our burdens now I, I don't have all the time that I'd love to take to talk on this I've shared with you about this a lot but loneliness is an epidemic people experience loneliness all the time people experience crowded loneliness Sometimes the people that experience the greatest measure of loneliness are those that are around the greatest amount of people. They're those that are in closest proximity to people. So loneliness is not just simply, I'm all by myself. Loneliness is, I feel like I'm experiencing this thing in life by myself. You feel lonely, you feel overwhelmed, and it's a burden. But God gives you a gift. And sometimes that gift is a person sitting on the row next to you. Sometimes that gift is people that he puts around you and and spiritual family and and how you begin to carry these burdens. Galatians 6 actually talks about that. It says, carry with one another each other's burdens. That's what we should be doing. You carry Burdens, what are they? They're the unexpected things that come up out of nowhere. Because when you continue to read in chapter 6, verse 5 actually says, but each one should carry their own load. Paul's not contradicting himself. He's saying, look, you each have your own responsibility. You have to own your own life. you got to take care of your responsibilities. But we're going to experience things in life that overwhelm us. And they seem as though it's just so much weight. But he says, carry with one another each other's burdens. Carry with one another. I think about an area I think we all experience burden in, and it's, it's family. You ever experience burden in family? That's why we're going to do a series here and and, uh, next week, starting next week, it's our family series. We do it every single year. It's probably the series that most speaks to people. And so whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you have kids, whether you're an empty nester, whether your kids are young or they're older, whatever it may be, we all are part of a family. You're a son, a daughter, a brother, a sister. You could be a husband, a wife a mother, a father, whatever it may be, we all experience those things. And, and oftentimes in family, it's the area we feel least prepared and the most ill-equipped. Like, how do I, how do I navigate that? Husbands, you're like, I, I, I try to talk to my wife. And, you know, I go, babe, are you okay? How are you? And there's no words, just tears. And you're like, what do I do with that? Wives are like, I I try to talk to my husband, but are they listening? I I don't know. Am I getting through? How do you navigate that? 
I've got a child and they're coming into a new season or they're having difficulty. How do I help them navigate these teenage years? Or I've got little ones or we're believing for children and we're navigating infertility. All, there's all sorts of stuff. Challenges. I've got friction and fractures with my parents. And here I am, an adult with my own children, but I, I don't see eye to eye with my parents. And there's pain and hurt. How do we navigate that? It's a burden. But we can do it together. You see, Jesus comes and he makes life lighter. It's simple what Jesus offers, as I said earlier. It's costly. It cost him his life, but he freely gives it, and he's giving it to you today. 